The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. I think you've been able to pick up uh, maybe some frustration over the church. Not, not this church. Like When I say that, I mean church universal. Um, and, and how it feels like we're not, like we're not really tracking with, with what I read sometimes in the New Testament, that I, I do believe great things are happening. So I don't want to be this person who's super critical, which ironically, Jeremiah kind of was, was one of those prophets. Like the Lord raised him up. He's known as the weeping prophet. Um, and so I'm re- one of the reasons I talk about that a lot is I'm really trying to be sensitive to the leading of the Lord and what He wants to do in His church. Like it's not my church, it's His church. And so I want to make sure that as I lead you guys and and we do what the Lord has asked us to do, we're doing what, you know, like we're listening and understanding. It's not our church, it's His church. But this is a pretty fascinating um, verse that I'm I'm sort of sitting with, and I feel led to share it with you today, is uh, Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 30 and 31. It says, a horrible and shocking thing has happened in the land. A horrible and shocking thing has happened in the land. What is the, the horrible and shocking thing? The prophets prophesy lies. And he says, the priests rule by their own authority. And my people love it this way. I said, wow. Then he says, but what will you do in the end? And so I, as I look at that, I'm like, man, okay, there's, there's a call to do two things here. One is, man, you definitely don't want to be preaching any lies. And the only way to do that is to stay true to the Word and preach, preach the whole counsel of the Word of God. But then the second thing is this authority piece and ruling by human authority as opposed to ruling by the authority of God. And so I... Why do I take time to share that with you? Because I think it has to do with kingdom. Um, that's what it's about, is, is allowing the kingdom to um, achieve its rule by the authority of the king. And that is the Lord himself, okay? So as we think about how the kingdom moves and what this means for us, and as, as we're going through this study in Acts and just really like looking at how does the kingdom move? How is it to move in my life? Um, you know, what am I to do? This is really important is that is to understand it's his kingdom and it's all about his authority in our lives and how we yield to his authority, his lordship, his, his, um, his royalty as king and see ourselves as servants in his kingdom. And that shifts things because we, we, I think that, um, as I look at that that, prophes- that prophetic word from Jeremiah in the Old Testament about what was going on in Israel during that day, uh, I, 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 think that, I think there's some real truth to that, is that for what we look at here is that we're, we have to make sure that he, we're allowing Him to be the authority. And I think that's where we've missed it. We're, not, we're, we're, che- we're, we're sort of treating Jesus... Like a shrine or statue, like an idol. 
Um, what I mean by that? Well, we people who have idols in their form of re, you know religion will put it somewhere. They'll put a Buddha somewhere in their house, and they will put a shrine somewhere, and then they will live their lives. And so sometimes I think it's easy to put Jesus somewhere and live your life. And that's not the way our faith works at all. Um, it, has, it doesn't move that way. The kingdom is not set up to run that way. We won't find that in the New Testament. One of the reasons that God said when He initially gave the law, do not have any graven images before me. It's because the kingdom doesn't move that way. It doesn't function that way. And the kingdom moves by fire. And fire is fascinating. <laughs> I love fire. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's just fun to like, <laughs> fire is manly, right? Why didn't we build a fire on the retreat? That was a fail. It was a total fail. You, you, you put a bunch of brush up in a pile with a tractor, put some diesel on it. You just, you just got to step back and smile. Like it just feels good. Uh, and so fire is really cool. Um, <laughs> what did you learn about in church today? Fire is cool. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, let me tell you a story about fire in my life. When I, we grew up out, we weren't in the city like this. Uh, we, we lived on an acreage. <laughs> and so you had to burn your trash. There was no trash company coming by to get your trash. You had to burn it. And then when the barrels, you know, they got so, they were full of all the stuff that didn't burn up and take probably six months or so, you had to haul those to the dump. And so I was 16, I know, maybe 17. My parents were out of town and I was told to make sure that I did my chores and I wanted to, man, I wanted to make sure that I did everything that I needed to do so that they would trust me to go out of town again and leave me alone. Amen. <laughs> Oh, mom and dad. Don't worry, kids. I'm not ever doing that in your life. <laughs> so uh, anyway, I, one of the things I had to do was burn the trash. So man, I was in a hurry. It was Friday night. I got home and I, I, I remembered like I was trying to get everything done. I want to go out and do, do what I was going to do. And so I got the trash, man. I ran out there and, uh, and I put it in the barrel and lit it on fire and put the screen on and poof, I was gone. I went down, I had to go down the street. There was a gas station down the end of our street. And uh, so I went down there to get some gas, filled my truck up with gas. And it, you know, it was windy, man. It was a really windy day. And so I filled my truck up with gas and I went back headed toward to meet my friends. And I drove back by my mom and dad's place where we lived there. And, and uh, I looked over and I couldn't see the house. <laughs> Couldn't see anything but smoke. Like, and I had horses. They were my horses. And you literally could see nothing from where the trash cans were back toward everything, toward the east. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, I've burnt the whole place down. I didn't know. I just, so, so what I do, I turned around. There was a fire department right by that little gas station. And some of you may have heard this story. Uh, but, um, you know, give me grace. And so, uh, and so I went to the fire station, and I pulled in, and I rang the bell, 
And the fireman come to the door and he said, hey, can I help you? And I said, yeah. I said, I drove by this house down there and there's a bad fire. And I said, you guys need to get on it. And so, <laughs> so it, and so I pulled down, I went on the other street and I watched to make sure. And they just drove in there, nobody was home and there was no way I was going back over there. And they got it out and long story short, everything was okay. The house didn't burn down, but a lot of the pasture did. And the horses were okay. And so I remembered um, that, and I remember some other stories. Man, fire is amazing when you mix it with wind. You put wind and fire and, and the right conditions. I can remember in Oklahoma, that, it may have been that same year. Things were just really dry. But I remember there were wildfires just breaking out everywhere one day. I actually was on the news uh, uh, one day, because uh, they were just, man, the firemen were everywhere. They didn't have, they were de totally depleted. People were, like, all of the communities around, like, were having these problems. These grass fires were just popping up everywhere. And me and my buddies uh, were running around, and we were, we were helping, um, we were literally helping firemen, like, pull hoses and stuff. And so it's amazing how a fire can start one place, and when it's windy, man, it could just go everywhere and just get totally out of control. And, and that's what happens when you put wind with fire and you have the right conditions. And, and that's, that's how the kingdom moves. It always has to do with wind and fire. And we're going to see that today. But there's also another element, and it's death. Now, death is an interesting thing. Uh, death is something that sort of sh it sh it shakes us. Uh, I, Casey, I read your post. Um, is Casey here? Oh, well, tell Casey I talked about her today. I read her post on Facebook. It's a great post about um, your mother, Preston. Um, but anyway, death, death is, is, is something that it'll shake us up, man. We, we don't like to think about it. We don't like to talk about it. But somebody dies. Like, you, Do you remember where you were when you found out the news that Princess Diana died? Like, I remember where I was, man. It was big news. And it kind of stops and goes, wow. It kind of shakes us up a little bit but then when somebody in our own family dies somebody close to you dies your, your mother your father a brother or sister and i've lost a father and, and and a brother and man that is that's 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 just a whole different ball game and so death is 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 uh, is fascinating but it's part of it's part of kingdom movement we, we it rattles us when it happens when somebody dies that that way but here's the thing is, is we don't like to talk about death and we don't really think about death a, a whole lot. But the, the truth is we live among the walking dead. Like there are dead people all around us. The Scripture very clearly teaches us um, theologically we either have spiritual life or we don't. There's no in-between. Like people are either, they are either alive spiritually or they're dead. You say, well, wait a minute. Do you, what do you mean by that? Do you mean that, that what about people of other faiths? Well, I, it, to me, like what the way I interpret truth, and there can only be, like there cannot be two truths. Right? There just cannot be. The, the truth, there, there's an absolute truth to things. And if the word is true, then everything else is false. Amen. Like it just is. There's nothing we can't get around it. And and so if if what Jesus taught is true, then the things that are taught that are 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 that contradict what Jesus taught, they're not true. And so if people they may be spiritual, 
You can be spiritual and still be spiritually dead. So I'm not talking about being a spiritual person. I'm talking about are you dead or are you alive spiritually? Because theologically, as we look at the Word, that's what it teaches us. And many people around us are dead spiritually. You may be here today. You may be dead spiritually. And so the Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So what does Paul say? He's talking to the church, and he's talking about their condition before something happened in their lives. And he said, you were dead. What were you dead in? You were dead in sin. You were dead in transgression against God. You were not alive spiritually. And so as we think about that, our text today in Acts chapter 2 is a historical account of spiritual life's arrival in a new way. We talked about how the, the resurrection on Easter Sunday, I talked about how the resurrection was the beginning of the kingdom. Like the kingdom started right then. Well, in order to have a kingdom, you have to have life. What good does it do to be the king of a kingdom without no, any life in the, in the kingdom? It's just a dead kingdom. And so life had to come. And so Jesus said that it would come. And, 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 and what I want us to do is I want us to look at this account and, and understand, man, one of the things that was so incredible about this men's retreat is it was filled with spiritual life. That's what made it great. Not the, No great sermon, no, none of that. Just filled with spiritual life. And it was so evident, okay? So, so there, but there was a time where this was not the case. Like, if, you incur, if you're encouraged, a lot of times people will say, man, I really appreciate that for a message. I really appreciate your passion. You're looking at spiritual life, man. That's all I know. It's what's in me coming out. And it just it keeps getting in there. There's a fire burning in me. It's spiritual life. I was dead in my sin and transgression, and now I am alive in Christ. And so it's spiritual life. Like I'm not a dead man walking anymore. I'm not a person who had life but still trying to live like a dead man. That's a problem too. It's like we don't bury the old man. We carry him around, and the life begins to stink because we had a corpse on our back. You to carry the old man around when Jesus has made you new, your life will stink. That's why Jesus said it'd be better if you never even knew the truth than to know the truth and not follow it. And so we look at this, man, we, we see that life comes and it, there was a time where that wasn't the case. That's why the world was so jacked up and so wicked. That's why there was so much demonic possession. You say, well, with all this stuff I read about devils and demons and possession and stuff, why, do I, why don't I see that today? Because, man, everybody was dead and the devil owned the world. Nobody was achieving anything against it. Because everybody was dead spiritually. Now, the people of Israel had a way to God through faith by the, 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 the law but just imagine for a moment if we lived in America and there were no churches. Everybody was dead spiritually. Things are get really dark and get out of hand. Well, so, so we've been living under 2,000 years of church history where people aren't all spiritually dead. Life has come. The life that Jesus said that would come has come into people. 
And so people possess that light. And he said, I'm the light of the world. And I will put that light in you. I will make you overflow. I'm, I'm the water of life. And you will become a fountain of life. And that's all the spiritual life that, that comes upon humanity as the Lord does his work in each one of us. So, so again, just imagine that doesn't exist. Man, it's a very, like, it's a frightening thing to think about. It's, it's hard to wrap our minds around. We, we, I, we obviously just can't do it, but we can, try to, Lord, we can try to sort of imagine it a little bit. And that's where they were. They watched Jesus die on the cross. They were extremely discouraged. Then they found out the tomb was empty. They didn't know what to do with that. They were confused by it. The Scripture says this. The Gospels teach us this. Then Jesus started to appear to them over a period of 40 days, and they were up and down and up and down and up and down. He would come and go and come and go, and it was freaking them out, and they were, he kept telling them to believe. And after that 40-day period that we looked at in Acts chapter 1, he says, go and wait for the Spirit to come upon you. So this has not happened yet. So, so they're all sitting in the room, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, in verse 1, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, now this past May 3rd marked the 20th anniversary of the May 3rd tornado in 1999, which is the year I became a pastor. And the May 3rd tornado marks a significant time in my life as my pastor was out of town and I was, I was running things at the church. And so I was, I was flexing my leadership there and learning, man, I, I like this. I like to lead. I was figuring that out. We were installing a projector. Um, this, again, this was a long time ago. So that was a big deal to have a projector in your church. And I was working with the electrician and everything and the, the, the reports of the storms all day long, man. And finally, as we were kind of, he and I were up there working, I said, man, I, I think we probably ought to leave. And I went home and that, that tornado um, was, was a huge tornado, like uh, just unbelievable tornado. I think it was like a mile wide and stayed on the ground for miles it passed by where I lived about seven miles away. And I was, we were standing outside when it went by. We, you could just see, man, this thing just, it just stayed on the ground for miles, moving just across the, uh, the city of Moore and totally destroyed. And it started even further out than that. It just moving. And we could see it's, it's coming toward us. And, and it, it was going to miss us. We knew it was going to miss us. But we, we went outside, and you could hear it as it approached. I remember as a kid, man, they used to say, listen for the roar. You remember those ads? You guys, you're from Kansas. You should add these ads. Like you'd be watching TV, and you're right there, you're watching Gilligan's Island or something. You're like, oh. The National Weather Service is issued a tornado warning. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? And the guy would always say, listen for the roar. And I heard the roar that day. And then it just, and that is a very weak example. Okay? And it was, you could hear it, man. You could hear it coming by. And we'd look at, there was insulation and stuff. We were seven miles away from this thing. You could hear it. 
and insulation was falling out of the sky, just drifting down. We like look, and all of a sudden there'd be big chunks, man. You'd see a a big chunk of something. What is that? I don't know, man. And it'd be like a tar paper from a roof, and it just kept getting worse and worse. And this is a sound, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. These guys were all in there together, man. All of a sudden, the sound came. And it says, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. These tongues of fire, like fire, literal fire, came from heaven and was resting over each one of the people. And there were 120 of them in this room. Okay? And so they, and all of them, it says, at the same time were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as what? The Spirit enabled them. It was a move of the Lord, man. The Holy Spirit that Jesus said would come, He just showed up on the, in this room. And with this, this wind. And, and so it says, There were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And they were all there because of Pentecost. And, and, that's, and, so, and so when they heard it, they heard the sound. Like they heard that just like I heard the sound from across town. They're like, what is that? And they all go to the location. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them, as these people left the upper room and came out into the street, it says that each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked. Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Now, a few observations. One, I love this fact that they were all together. Um, I'm reminded of the time that we just spent together as men there's something special and powerful when the people of God spend time together. And they were all together. Suddenly the sound of the violent wind filled the house. And what happens is they are filled with the pneuma. That is the word behind the Holy Spirit is the pneuma, the paracleti. It's another word used to talk about it. And it is the wind of God. It is not, should I not say, it is not the wind of God. It is God. (laughs) Man, I don't understand that. That God is in me. And they all, like the third person of the Trinity arrives just like Jesus came. The Holy Spirit comes. And just like Jesus is God, the Holy Spirit is God. And and He shows up in this room 
to these first believers when a church, there never was a church. Look, there are no churches. There were synagogues, but no churches because there was no spirit to fill the people in this capacity because Jesus had to make a way. And that's what the cross is about. Pentecost was the time for the Jew. Um, it, by, by the time uh, that, that we had this event taking place, Pentecost had become the anniversary of the giving of the law to Moses. So God had come. Remember the story on Mount Sinai. God comes to Moses and he gives the giving of the law. And he comes and it is fire is represented there on Mount Sinai. It is the fire of God coming. And he gives the law, and as the law comes, then the Jews, year after year after year after year, they would celebrate with the day of Pentecost, and they would make these pilgrimages. That's why all these people from all these different places were coming back to Jerusalem to celebrate this. And so it was one of the three great pil pilgrimages. And for the Jew, it was, again, the giving of the law. But at this moment in time, for Christianity, it is the coming of the Spirit. The Spirit shows up right now in this moment. And so the former centered around the Torah or the law and all of the things, the legalities of it, the Ten Commandments, all of that stuff. It was all centered and directed by that. But the latter is directed by the Spirit. It's centered on the Spirit and it's directed by the Spirit. And so as we think of this, what we see is there are three signs that accompany it. Wind, fire, inspired speech that's what happens the wind of God comes the fire of God comes and we have inspired speech and so we look at it and it's um here we are in this place and uh what I'm, for some reason I'm reminded of the band earth wind and fire right July 20th they're going to be in Kansas City but what we have here is birth, wind, and fire. <laughs> like in the Old Testament, fire always is a symbol of God's presence. I'm reminded of the burning bush when God calls Moses. I'm reminded of the pillar of fire that led them through the wilderness. I'm reminded of uh, the Old Testament teaching us that our God is a God of consuming fire. I'm reminded of when He shows up uh, in the gentle breeze with Elijah. And so we look at this and we see that fire is always present when God is showing up. And so the Spirit here in this um, time, when we see in the Old Testament, the fire of God would descend down upon the tabernacle. It was, it was, it was, uh, and they would move this thing, this tent around. And the Ark of the Covenant was so significant because God would descend down upon the Ark of the Covenant. Moses was told to put the stone tablets um, that he received from God into the Ark of the Covenant. And then God would descend down upon this Ark. And as the Ark was lifted and moved, then the people were to break camp and follow the Ark. And God was out leading ahead of them. And the fire would ascend and and lead them to the next place. And this went on for years as they failed to go directly into the promised land. Then they wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years, and this is how God led them. And so the fire would always come down, but it would come down on the ark, and it was to indicate that God corporately was coming to be present with all of them. 
But now we have in the New Testament, God is coming down and there, that fire once again is coming and then it separates. This is beautiful, man. Like if you, if you have this fire, this is beautiful. It separates in that room. And cloven tongues of fire are there over all 120. What does it say to us? It's no longer a corporate relationship. It is an individual one. And I am entering into the life of every person who is a child of mine. Birth, wind, and fire. Now, what is the purpose of that? Why is that so significant? Why is it so important when we talk about um, kingdom movement? Because the fire um, is, is the purifying presence of God. The Spirit is fire, and it will melt your sinful heart. And if your sinful heart has not been melted, you are a dead man walking. He's got to be done away with. And the only thing that can melt that heart is the fire of God. So, so when we look at this, like I, I, I want us to look real quickly, and I'm going to land this, okay? So I intentionally just have a big idea. I'm hungry too. But, but we're going to go to Ezekiel chapter 37. This is so, uh, so amazing. So you go to Ezekiel chapter 37. And, 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 and it is an illustration of sort of what happens in this moment. 585 years before the time of Jesus, the prophet Ezekiel has this vision from God. It, it, it both refers to the resurrection of the dead that will happen in the future, and it refers to what happens in this particular moment in time. Joel, the prophet Joel as well, he prophesies about it and we'll look at some of that next week but listen to what Ezekiel says 585 years before Jesus is born like let that sink in 585 years before Jesus is born the guy by the name of Ezekiel that really lived wrote this down we have it preserved in the the Old Testament word and this is what he said the hand of the Lord was upon me And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. And it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them and I saw great a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones. We might say, preach to these bones. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put my breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded, Ezekiel says in this vision. I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together. Bone to bone, I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. They were still lifeless. 
The breath of God is so vitally important. We see it in Genesis. We see it throughout the word of God, and we see it here in this prophecy through Ezekiel. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. And so I prophesied, and as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life, and they stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up, and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people. I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land and you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. 585 years later, the breath of God shows up. And dead men come to life. So here's the deal, man. Only, here's the big idea, only the Holy Spirit fire can melt your dead heart and give you life. It doesn't matter how many times you come to this church and hear me preach a sermon or any other man preach a sermon. It doesn't matter if Billy Graham preaches a sermon over you. It doesn't matter if a, preach said a, a preacher said a, a, a priest said a blessing over you. If you were baptized as an infant or if you were dunked as an adult, if the Spirit of God doesn't melt your dead heart, you will never know God. That is, that is the Word of the Lord. That is not Jimmy Holbrook. That is not denomination. That is truth from the word of the, of, of the Lord. And, and so we look at our culture and we go, what is wrong? There are too many dead men who think they have life. That's what's wrong. There are too many dead people that think they're alive. And there's not enough of truth coming from the pulpits of America teaching the word of God. And I'm reminded of the prophet of Jeremiah that I started with. A horrible thing is happening. We're letting people think that they're right with God when the fire of God has never melted their dead heart. And just because they come, we say they're okay without ever looking to see if the fire of God has entered their lives. How does it happen? Romans chapter 10 teaches us. Romans 10 says, verse 13, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It is the good news. Do you have spiritual life or are you among the walking dead? If you possess God, 
the fire of God. You should be filled with that Holy Spirit fire and walk in white hot faith. And hell should be raising the alarm and announcing over your life, we got a fire over here. This is how the kingdom moves. It's how the kingdom moves. I don't, I like, man, I, I've been doing this a long time. And I don't know what the Lord is up to, but He is up to something that, that, that I don't, I, like, there's something, the Lord is up to something different. It's the same, but different. And I really believe we're supposed to be a part of the very beginning of what that something is. Like, I, I, don't, I don't even, like, it's scary to say that. But I'm so tired of looking at churches and saying, what is, there's nothing different about this. There's nothing changing. There's no fire of God coming out of these people's lives. I don't want to be a part of a church where the fire of God is not present. I want to be a part of the church and go, man, we, we just saw the Lord do something there like He did in Acts. And that is the expectation of Jesus. That is why He came to the cross. That is why He died the horrible death. So that He might make a way for the fire of God to come into you and melt your dead heart so that you could be a new creation. The old man is gone. The new man has come. Has your heart been melted by the fire of God? Do you have a new heart from the Creator Himself? Has the breath of God entered your life? Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.